Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Star Spangled Eurovision. Sorry, it's been a few weeks. We've been a little absent, but hello again. Say hi, everyone. Hi. What's good? Today, we have a very special guest with us, our friend Nicole. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Of course. I feel like um, Nicole is a very appropriate guest for the topic that we're going to be talking about. Okay, we'll get there, but first the news. Well, no, I'm just saying. There's a reason why Nicole and this topic are together. and There's a reason we bring all of our guests on this show. It's not because we need someone. (laughs) It's not (laughs) arbitrarily because... It's not because we're desperate for guests. (laughs) Right? <laughs> it's because they're experts. And I wanted to have dinner with someone tonight. So. <laughs> there was pizza. Yep. Anyway, as usual, we'll be starting with the news. There's not much, even though we've been away for a while. Um, Mikolas Joseph, our favorite Czech entry from last year, released a new song called Me Gusta. Wait, like Spanish? Yes. I don't know why. It's a bop. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, like, it's popping. Except he really likes riding animals in his music videos. First yeah. a camel, now a horse. I, I really... I see a theme here. There's something that bothers me about the repetitiveness of the chorus. Like, me gusta. I love it. I love me gusta. It's <laughs> like... Kind of driving me insane, but that's that's okay. Yeah, it's I'm kind of confused by the Spanish. You know what? They're European. I give it a pass. <laughs> <laughs> None of them are native English speakers or Spanish speakers. Oh, he's not. And so. yeah, like the Spanish radio charts are where the money is now. So yeah, I mean. uh, Eleni Ferrera, her song Fuego is on number one on the Spanish charts again. Hey. Months after Eurovision, so maybe it still has a chance to be. A worldwide hit. I believe in it. She is hot. Love her. Hot. Like Fuego. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Me gusta. <laughs> okay. Um, and the other news I have is I don't know if you guys know who Jack Whitehall is, the British comedian. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, I love his show. His travels with his father. Have you seen season two yet? Yes. In episode three, they go to Moldova to live out Jack Whitehall's dream of performing with Sunstroke Project. That's his dream? Yes. (laughs) He just really wanted to meet Epic Sax Guy and be on stage with him. And it happened. Okay, honestly, I would also really love to be on stage with Epic Sax Guy. I mean, it was pretty great. And then his stuffy old dad was not impressed. And that's the whole point of that show. Yeah, great show. But I love that they went to Moldova for the sole purpose of beating Sunstroke Project, which is also the only reason I would probably ever go to Moldova. <laughs> and it, I think it also... I love you, Moldova, but... <laughs> um, and your entry this year without FXX guy was great. True. Doredos was really good. Moldova's... They kill it at Eurovision. Yeah. And I would go to Moldova... For Eurovision-related things. But I think that the show also proved it's very hard to... Like, the sax guy's got moves, and yeah. he's killing it, and it doesn't... It's not as easy as it looks. Exactly. Jack Whitehall was not good at no. the moves. No. <laughs> <laughs> he tried his hardest. But yeah, 
So Travels with My Father is on Netflix for anyone who wants to watch it. Promise they did not pay us to do this. Feel free no one to pays us pay to do anything. Us if you want. <laughs> yeah. Come give us money for ads. That's a thing. Anyway, so down to the topic of today. So what I wanted to talk about was diversity at Eurovision and how a lot of countries will often send um, an ethnic minority or an, you know, someone of immigrant descent to Eurovision. Often is a strong word. <laughs> occasionally. Yes, occasionally. Well, actually, like, and so relatively often. Every year, there's at least a couple people who are not from sort of the, oh, okay. you the meant typical overall. background. I thought you meant like country. Oh, no, not country by country. I mean, yeah. like, overall. Uh, yeah. Every year, there's a few countries that will send someone who's not sort of, I don't want to say not from that country because that's wrong. Majority. Like, someone yeah. who's a minority in some sense in the country, whether it's the language they speak or the country exactly. they come from. For example, when you think of an Austrian, you don't traditionally think of last or this year's Eurovision Act because you know Cesar Samson. Yeah, um, because he's he's black, black and like yeah, but it's like a homo- mostly homogenous country that consists of kind of exactly white Germanic folk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and so it seems and like. You know, Eurovision, you know, one of the years the theme was celebrate diversity. I don't know exactly if this is what they meant, but, um, you know, Eurovision likes to present this image of Europe as, you know, a multicultural society um, as a whole, you know, a continent made up of many different peoples from many different backgrounds, um, whether they're sort of quote unquote native to Europe or, you know, immigrants. Um, so do, do we think that reflects the reality on the ground? Like, why do we think Eurovision has this lofty image of what Europe is, whereas, like, we constantly hear, you know, that that's not, that might not necessarily be the case on the ground? I think, at least in the context of, like, growing up and what you see in the charts today, like, I mean, there's a lot more to it, but this is just one one thing to add, is um, music that isn't standard to that country tends to be very popular in those countries. So, like, in Denmark, like, reggae is huge. Mm-hmm. Like, if a Dane or, you know, a minority comes into the country and can, like, sing in Danish and do reggae, like, you're going to get to the top of the charts. And I think that per country, just... That little difference is um, probably something that they really want to send out in the world because diversity, obviously, even if your entire country isn't for it, is a very popular thing to say that you have within your country. And then giving that little spin is something that most countries tend to appreciate anyways. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I also think Eurovision is a project about bringing Europe together and celebrating difference and finding the commonalities, so I think it makes sense. I mean, diversity can be a lot of different things. It's not just, I don't know, about language or whatever. Um, Yeah. Do we think that in any way, so like, the example I'm thinking of is Hungary from 2016? Yeah. Um, or 2017, I'm sorry, when they sent Yossi Papai, um, who is of Roma descent, 
hmm. uh, to Eurovision. And so, you know, we know that Hungary has a lot of problems with its Roma population, at least the, you know, the party in power, you know, often plays on people's fears of Roma and, you know, perpetuates stereotypes and discriminatory practices against them. Do you think the fact that someone like Yeltsin Popeye was able to win in the national selection means that there's a disconnect between how maybe the people, or at least the people who vote in Eurovision, and how you know the sort of government sees these yeah. minorities? I mean, Eurovision's always been political, right? So I yeah. mean, it's sometimes about sending home a message if you can, um, and I think it's cool that you can have these like more kitschy songs next to pieces that are really political. I mean, I think that's what makes Eurovision so special. And it breaks away from, like, conventional politics, especially with the way voting is today. I mean, I think that, especially in 2016 with Ukraine and Russia, like, mm-hmm. probably, like, I'm sure those governments, you kind of tell, didn't really want to touch the situation with a 10-foot pole, especially in that forum, just because... There's so much going on and so many factors, but the popular vote was just like, no, Ukraine. Like, we as a people have decided that, like, this is the message that we want to send. Mm-hmm. Um, and that wasn't necessarily reflected in, like, the jury vote, which mm-hmm. potentially could have been influenced by government somehow. Right. Um, Not to say that juries are conspiracy of all national governments. Although, <laughs> no, <laughs> we're not going to go into that I on this episode. I've been really culty. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting topic because you know we're having this um, sort of surge in far right populism and nativism in Europe and or around the world, really, but. Uh, we definitely see it in Europe, yet you don't sort of see it in Eurovision. And I think that might be because, one, well, the crowd who participates in Eurovision actively, right, as as spectators uh, and voters are perhaps on the more liberal end of the spectrum mm-hmm. and the more sort of accepting end of it. But on the other hand, I think it's it's interesting that they're, you know, we kind of it kind of paints this very different picture of Europe than the one we see in the news. And one that I think that is more hopeful, certainly. Um, another question I have, I guess, is that maybe are we seeing this through a different lens because we see diversity in the U.S. very differently than maybe they think about it in Europe? Because maybe it's not a big deal to them, right? Maybe it's not something that anyone actively thinks about. I mean, honestly, from a U.S. perspective, we wouldn't really care as much like i mean granted yeah we have our own tensions politically but i think that in terms of culture and if you look at the artists that come out of this country and musically what we create i don't think that they're necessarily like barriers of entry for uh, in in music well i mean that's always that's kind of always been the case where like at least in the u.s and you definitely see this in europe where it's where you know black black people in the u.s have always sort of had a i don't want to say a leg up in the entertainment industry but you know easier access because you know part of us you know there's that sort of um the concept of like minstrelry where we see them as you know entertainment well, right tokenizing also. and you know kind of that they're there for entertainment you know whatever and that there's there's a long history of that 
um, as opposed to sort of true equality, even though that's sort of a place where minorities in the in the U.S. at least have been more present. And I wonder if maybe it's the same dynamic in Europe where, like, you know, you have these people from different cultures where, you know, the music is more rhythmic, more interesting, more exotic. And so we're exotic and, you know, it's sort of exoticized in a way. But is it does that really mean that they're being accepted into the wider society outside of just more of visibility um, sense of it? I mean, it's also a question here about, yeah. you know, whether the type of music that is topping the charts here reflects the acceptance of those people or groups of people here. Um, I think it's an interesting question, too, because, like, when you think of Eurovision, sometimes it is this, like, Europop, but then you get some of these entries that are so surprising. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's really the diversity piece because there are different groups of people throughout Europe. I think what's really cool is when you look at the German music scene and you have like Turkish and um, other like immigrant rappers who are topping the charts recently. And it's really exciting because it's like, I think it's a mix of cultures and it's really like creating their own kind of music. and I think that's the kind of stuff that I would love to see more of in Europe because that's what we have here is very specific. Like I wouldn't want anyone in Europe to copy like the US rap style, but mm-hmm. to like instead create your own that like speaks to your experience being an immigrant in Germany or wherever. So I think you're seeing more of that. It's exciting. Yeah. Although ironically, I think Germany is like the one country, at least since I've been watching Eurovision, has only sent white people. Yeah, only I mean, sent that's Germans too. <laughs> yeah, that is disappointing because I feel like yeah, like you said, there's a huge, you know, one voting block of immigrants in the country who can elevate something that's sort of you know an, an artist from a different background, but also just like there's a lot of good stuff oh, yeah. coming from you know uh, you know people of Turkish and you know Muslim descent or Arabic descent and you know African descent and immigrant just backgrounds in general that. You know, is just really good, really different, and I don't, I don't know why we don't see more of that. Especially that Eurovision. Eurovision, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think part of it is that if you are a popular artist or you are a rising artist, you're not gonna want to participate in Eurovision because it's not the crowd you're going for. Well, no, but like to yeah, in all true. in all honesty, um, and that might be part of that cause where it's just too much of a risk to take. Yeah. Um, Although, doesn't Germany in particular have a like TV show like that selects who the Eurovision... Yeah, and I, if I remember the last couple of years, like, I'm pretty sure everyone was white in those two. Uh, yeah, because we saw it the past two years. Yeah. Remember, was there anyone of um, I don't remember who was in this past year, honestly. But I think the year before, it was all white people. Um, all, like, ethnic Germans, <laughs> as far as I know. Um, well, hey, we should yeah. <laughs> write to them, tell them, hey, like, try to find different people, because I think it's exciting. And I think the Austria entry from this past year, like, people yeah. were into it. And he was also, again, like, it was his own perspective that he was putting out there. I think that's what made it interesting. Yeah, definitely. And like, or like more like something, you know, like... Learn from this. Put Stomai on that stage. Yes. (laughs) And France, send Kenji Girac. And, you know, 
everyone else send someone cool too. Yeah. <laughs> but I would, yeah, I would like more of like what Ukraine sent, right? Or what Hungary sent in 20 or 27, 2016, 2017 respectively, where it's just like, that's kind of this very political statement about the rights of minorities in that country. Mm-hmm. Right. Even though Ukraine's, I think was more of a response to Russia than anything. Um, you know, like minorities are still discriminating against there too. Like Crimean Tatars, like that's still a problem for them. Um, and as we talked about the Roma in Hungary, um, and everywhere in Europe, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that would be, I think that's exciting. Are there any, other than Stramai and Kenji, are there any specific artists, Nicole, are there any specific artists you would love to see at Eurovision? Oh, that's a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll have a pass for right now. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> I think about this. Take a minute. um anything else on diversity in eurovision i'm out of things to talk about i mean i'm all about it so bring more of it it's awesome it's great to see something that's a little bit different and i love how when you watch it nowadays you also get a fuse with the a fusion of the traditional as well um and that's kind of one of my favorite parts of eurovision is figuring out what songs countries have picked and sometimes they go down kind of the classical root of their culture sometimes it's you know like they want to kind of show a new light of their society and sometimes honestly it's just like super personal to that artist Mm -hmm. and I think that I want to always see that diversity and not have some script for what the song or the message has to be yeah definitely I mean we talked last week or last episode um, about authenticity in Eurovision and how that has really resonated with audiences recently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so let's let's keep it authentic. Let's keep it true. Let everyone live their truth. <laughs> so cheesy, but it's so true. It's true. I mean, like Eurovision is a big old love fest, right? Like we all, it, it's all about. It's gushy, but that's what we love about it, and it it does present this really hopeful vision of a much more united uh, united europe european vision like (laughs) eurovision (laughs) no okay i try Uh (laughs) uh-huh i try (laughs) i have a question for you guys do you think that eurovision is an accepting space like the crowd like because or accepting of a wide variety of difference or do you still think that there's like certain expectations that the music is a little campy or euro poppy or whatever you know like would yeah i don't know like a hardcore rap artist be as accepted at eurovision or i don't know like i think the one thing about eurovision and like its history or like maybe its recent history is the the block of people who do vote and the block of people who watch is so diverse that you just cannot tell mm-hmm. and you think to yourself oh you know what like i don't think that guys who dress up in monster costumes and do metal music are going to win eurovision because it's very much not eurovision and people were like oh my god this is so not eurovision and it won you know in yeah. the same vein they said that with portugal they were like this is, you know, it's a slower song. It's too very simple. classical. It's too simple. People are going to want something that's more upbeat. And then 
Portugal won. And then last year went more to the vein in which we expected with, oh, this is a very unique pop song that kind of is very innovative, like very much has a feminist message. Um, I think that maybe that one was more predicted than others prior. But what's so great about Eurovision is you have to just try it and see what sticks. Because on that night when people vote, like, it's like worse than an election. You really can't. There's no way you can <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's worse than an election. No, you can't. Like, I mean, like, people who do predictions, like, it's a lot harder. Because it's not like you can screen most people beforehand. Because only people like us, which is not a large base... Sure. actually watch the semis and they're like oh i'm engaged and i know who all these people are like that's such a small amount of people and mm-hmm. even if you were to just look at us and say oh okay these people are all rooting for this person when it comes to actual eurovision night that's not the majority of the people who are voting yeah it's true um i think to your question like <clears throat> A song that wins Eurovision still has to have some kind of mass appeal, but what that means, I think, is definitely evolving, right? It do- doesn't necessarily mean the simplest, you know, lowest common denominator pop song with English lyrics. Um, it can be something like Salvador Sobral's song that is just really from the heart and really beautiful and, like, resonates with everybody. It can be Lord I, you know, it's everyone finds it funny, right? Like, it's kitschy. Conchita Worst, right? Or Conchita Worst. That very much out of the space, where it's like, oh, are people really going to be accepting right. of someone? But it's something that resonated with a lot of people, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. like, wow, look at this, you know, bearded lady, ha-ha, in some, you know, in some cases. But also, you know, the the gay watchers of yours have been like, yes, finally a drag queen. Or... You know, and some people just love the song. Like, it's a beautiful song, performed amazingly. Like, it was just overall a great performance that I think resonated with a lot of people in different ways. Um, so, you know, whatever massive heel is, we can't really predict what that is. Um, but, you know, I guess the key is still to have a song that everyone can love. Because if it yeah, that was cheesy me, and goopy as Italy <laughs> would have won the past two years. So. The past, like, six years for you. <laughs> <laughs> I love Italy too. <laughs> Italy is so good. Every I'm not gonna year, lie. Like, They're gonna blow it out of the park, and then it comes to voting night. I'm like, oh, did you guys just forget? Like, I don't. I mean, every year they're in my top five. I don't think I've ever wanted them to like win. No, 2012, I wanted them to win. Uh, but every t- every other time, it's <laughs> meh. Thanks. <laughs> not to rain on your parade or anything. Alrighty then. Well, thank you all for listening uh, to another episode of Star Spangled Eurovision. Uh, as you know, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Eurovision, on Twitter at SSC underscore pod, on Instagram at Star Spangled Eurovision. Send us an email. We're running out of topics to talk about, as you can tell, <laughs> maybe. Um, send us an email at starspangledeurovision at gmail.com. So, we'd love some suggestions on what to talk about next. Um... Yeah, that's... Cannot wait for Eurovision to start up again. Yeah, come January we'll be a lot more enthusiastic and refreshed. (laughs) So thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. And thank you so much, Nicole, again, for being here and joining us. Thanks, Nicole. (laughs)
拜。Bye